Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andreas Endergaard, and this is how we create. Welcome to This Is How We Create, a show that digs deeper into the creative life of contemporary artists of color. Discover what feeds their creativity and how they've found or are finding their artistic voice. Through these intimate and candid conversations, you'll gain insights into the lives of creative professionals of color that are hard to find anywhere else. Emerging artist Andreas Andregard and I caught up in March 2020 when we were just entering COVID-19. In this episode, Andreas shares marketing tips on how to reach out to and to do the hard work necessary to catch the attention of your dream client. We also learned about how Andreas leverages his community to help the artists that are in his most inner circle as well as those who are outside his circle. During our conversation, Andreas shares how he discovered photography and film and about how he decided to launch his fashion brand, Forever Grateful. We do have adult language in this episode, so you may not want to have a listen with kiddies around. In the guest chair today is Andreas Andregard, also known as Dre. Andreas is a photographer, videographer, digital marketer, brand owner, and Korean barbecue enthusiast. Andreas went to Michigan State University for marketing before moving to Chicago to start his professional career. A lover of all things fashion and sneaker related, he wouldn't be the creator he is now if it wasn't for the dream of running a successful clothing brand. Over his life, he's tried several creative endeavors, including DJing, sewing custom hats, making beats, and hosting events. These endeavors led him to creating film and photography. The sense of creation and using the camera as his tool gave him a sense of purpose he didn't know he was looking for. Eventually, Dre would leave his corporate job to pursue photography full-time. Welcome to the podcast, Dre. I'm humbled to be on this podcast with you and uh, in our short time of knowing each other. I feel like, we, yeah, we have known each other for a minute. I want to start out by digging a little bit into your background. So you grew up in Norway. What was that like? While I was born in Norway, I identify more as a Brazilian than Norwegian. I think that would just be my, my mom's influence on me. And Portuguese is a language that I won't lose. And I want my children to be able to speak that because it's, I think it's a beautiful language. A, it gives people perspective that, you know, we're not just like, you are not the only person here. There's yeah. millions of other people. There's cultures all over the world. And I think we need to instill that more into our youth. That's really important right now, given, you know, this crisis that we're going through on a global level. People are being affected by this. People are dying. People are getting sick. You know, we yeah, have- Just to say that you are referring to COVID-19. Yes. So what you were saying about the language, I feel that language is a way where you can transmit culture to the next generation. And for me, the decision that my husband and I made, my husband is from Argentina and my, um, and I'm from Haiti. And although that I could have spoken to my son in Haitian Creole, I felt that speaking to him in French was one of those things that I needed to do because with, if you know French, then it's easy to learn Haitian Creole. I speak to him in French. My husband speaks to him in Spanish. It's important. It's, it's, um, it gives him a sense of self because then he knows about his heritage. It's good for your brain and it sets you aside too. You know, it gives you in some ways a leg up. A hundred percent. And you will have that day where he's like, mom, thank you for this. At what point did you move to the U.S.? Uh, when I was six, 1995. Yeah, so we moved to uh, Rochester, Michigan. So my dad was a German robotics engineer. 
He worked for a company called Dürer Automotive, and they had a subsidiary called Inlock Schmidt, which they wanted him to kind of spearhead in, in the U.S. in Michigan. So I grew up in Rochester. I went to Rochester Adams, which Rochester is a nice little town. Um, this is definitely an interesting town, very suburban. From there, I ended up going to Michigan State University, and I got a degree in marketing there. If at all your degree in marketing and your interest in business. How did that help you as an artist? Just kind of knowing like the back end of how things work in terms of, you know, one thing that goes hand in hand with being an artist is you need to bring money. In. And how do you bring money? In? Well, you need to reach out to people. You need to put your offer in front of as many people as possible daily as you can to get, you know, a chance of either getting a yes or a no, right? Uh, if people, if you're not placing your services, your offer in front of people, you're not going to have the opportunity to make money. So just kind of knowing how to navigate that landscape. And if I'm going to email somebody, I'm not going to, I'm going to email somebody that matters, right? Not like a gatekeeper. Sometimes you need to get through a gatekeeper. How do you um, do that? How do you get to the gatekeeper? Well, through the gatekeeper, I should say. People are way more inclined to listen to you when you make them feel important and when you talk about them versus talking about yourself, right? So when I first started pitching, I kind of did the little robotic pitch that, hey, let me draft this up and just power send it to as many people as possible. Like, and it didn't work because people understand when you're being personal and they understand when you're being a robot. So now what I do, what I pitch now is I'll take my time. I will go research a little bit about you. I will go find out things that you like, that you do, that I like, right? And I'll reference those. You know, I'll have like a two, a three, four paragraph, short paragraph email. And I probably won't even introduce myself until the third paragraph after I've talked about things that I enjoy of the person that I'm pitching. Can we go back a little bit? I'd love to hear how you end up identifying those people. Any sector that I kind of want to pitch in, I'll go to the website, do some due diligence on the website. I'll find out people that are involved there. I'll go and check LinkedIn to see if I can find some people to connect with from that company on LinkedIn. It's like hit or miss, but those general contact emails that you have, a business has on their website, like generally they don't get responded to. So you really kind of need to find those people. So, you know, the first thing is understanding who you're talking to and then positioning your pitch in a way that would make them want to even listen to you, right? But after you understand that, how a business operates, what they do, who works there, then it's time to go find those people. So you can also kind of cross-reference through social media. Instagram, you know, directly messaging people who are involved from a brand or the brand itself, right? There's a lot of touch points that we have access to that we should be taking advantage of. And the right strategy is to use all the channels, not just one. I needed to remember that because there's this one brand I really want to work with. And I think I could add a lot of value to how they're telling their visual stories. And I follow them on Instagram. I follow them on LinkedIn and I follow the CEOs too, or at least the founders. I don't consistently um, reach out to them or at least make sure that they know who I am on all those channels, across those channels. Could I ask you a question in turn? Sure. So you say that you, you think you could add a lot of value to their brand, um, which I don't doubt that you could because you're very talented and very uh, strategic in what you do. Have you taken any products or I guess, you know, it's a product-based company? 
it is a product-based company. Have you done anything on your own with their products that you could use as something? Hey, like I really love your products. This is what I created with some friends the other day. You guys are free to use this. I, you know, I haven't, which is something I've done for past. That's something that I, I wanted to, cause their products are really super cute. So here's a way that you can go one step further. And this allows, this takes a little bit more time and a little bit more research, but you get this in front of the right person it will literally set you apart and that's finding out what comp what problems does this company have that i found out on my own through my own research because i'm invested and how can i tailor my solution to solve those problems so um let's say the company you're talking about makes amazing you know sports athleisure clothing right mm -hmm. uh, it's targeted towards a younger crowd. You know, let's say like that 18 to 22 year old demographic. Uh, let's use females, right? Then let's say maybe through your research, you find out that they're struggling to target that 23 to like 30 year old female, right? So then you could come in and be like, hey, this is, I have these friends who are in this age group. This is the uh, content we created for them specifically that would resonate with them and this is how we how i would distribute it in these channels now you're coming to them and you're acknowledging that they have this problem that they are probably aware of and they're looking to fix and you took that extra step that goes far because not everybody wants to do that there's an old saying in marketing that's everybody wants to do the sexy shit nobody wants to do the unsexy shit but the unsexy shit is what you know makes the most gains Nobody wants to sit here and email 100 companies every day, but that's how you get, uh, you know, even if 10, 10 people get back to you, two out of those 10 people give you a yes, that's, that's worth it. And then it's on you to close those two people. Yeah, the odd of numbers, right? Right, but nobody wants to sit here and, and email 100 people because that's time consuming and it's boring, you know? I take you up on your challenge. Let's go. So how do we keep, our visibility online and how do we make sure that what we are putting out continues to attract the people that we want to hire us? The really simple question is you have to create the content that resonates with the people that you're trying to attract, right? So one easy way to explain that is I shoot sports, I shoot music, I shoot fashion, I shoot portraiture. I can shoot weddings and I don't advertise those last three though, because that's not what I'm trying to get hired for. So it wouldn't make sense for me to do that. Right. It's important to create the content for the audience you're trying to attract. Creating content for people, for couples that are wanting to get married looks a lot different from let's say personal trainer, right? is going to be different the messaging is going to be different the styling is going to be different the delivery is going to be different hey knowing what audience you're trying to attract knowing what resonates with them and then creating that accordingly always communicate value uh when i first started doing photography and i noticed that i was good i would post a lot of pictures with snarky one-liners from rap songs I don't do that anymore, really, unless I really have nothing, you know, unless I, I want to. But now I've kind of transitioned into providing value to anybody who comes across my brand. We all have a voice. If you're choosing to use your voice all the time, then, you know, communicate some value with it, right? There's a lot of people that just talk, 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 but never really say anything. Uh, I'm against that. I think less is more. If you're going to say something, make it impactful. So, really trying to communicate that with the work that I do post, right? Like whether it's what went into this shot from a gear standpoint, 
what went into this shot from a mental standpoint, what were some difficulties that I experienced trying to get this shot and how you can kind of navigate that landscape. Uh, because there's somebody out there that could be a benefit to that. Well, then in doing that, how do you balance sharing what you've done with attracting other prospective clients? So before I would always used to think, hey, put your best foot forward and somebody will find My goal, like as I said at the meeting, one of my goals is to shoot commercially for Nike or Adidas. And I would always used to think that some rep from, you know, an, either an agency or Nike's going to find my work on social media, you know, amongst all the other billions of people on social media and be like, oh, he's awesome. Let's use, you know, let's use him for a shoot, right? You know, that's a funny joke. <laughs> It's like finding a needle in a haystack. So many people are on social media, but there's a lot of really talented people on social media as well. So that's the beautiful thing about life and trying to succeed in anything when you think you're at a level that, oh, I'm good and I don't have anything else to learn. Like you get humbled really quickly. And then you, you know, you realize that you have still much to learn. One thing that I've realized is in trying to get more commercial success is it's not always the most talented person that gets the job. It's the person that has the relationships and that, that human aspect is so important. Like you can't tell how a person is through a social profile, right? You can't. And that's one of the things that was very surprising to me. And obviously it shouldn't be because so many times you hear it's about, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And in some ways it's so true because at the end of the day, what that, axiom means it's all about relationships talent yeah. will get you in the door but you also have to have strong relationship and you have to make sure that you continue to have strong relationships with people because when they have a good experience with you then they're likely to recommend you to to other people and i think the the other thing too is going back to what you said about relationships and i think through marketing to Um, in many different ways, you end up building your team. And I think when you work on commercial shoots, it's usually you could have 20, 25 people in a shoot and everyone has a specific job that they're doing. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's not just about the photographer too. It's about the, everyone coming together through marketing. You can then build your team as well as, you know, collaborate with your team to be able to deliver that final product. You know, you can only go so far yourself, right? And that's something that I'm still working on at times. It's a lot easier now because I don't want to do everything myself. I don't want to do all the lighting. I don't want to do all the retouching. I don't want to do all the shooting, you know? I love to do every single one of those things, and it's important to have that understanding from a rudimentary level where if something goes wrong, you can know how to fix it. but You know, every sports team has a, a different player for a, a position, right? That's, you know, how every company has different roles for different people. So you need to work as a well-oiled machine. And if you're trying to do everything yourself, you're just going to burn yourself out. We have a really competitive landscape and competition is amazing. And I think sometimes people shy away from competition. Competition just makes everybody better, right? If you look at it the right way, if Like your goal is to be one of the best at what you do. Competition should be your best friend. Yeah. If I see like one of my homies doing something better than me that I think I can do better, it's like, all right, cool. Like you need to get up off your ass and get to work and 
you know, stop sitting here thinking like there isn't work to be done because there's always work to be done. There's right? always work to be done. Always so work. true. Whether it's on you, whether it's on your career. A lot of people go through life and they're like, hey, like we're going to work this job. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids and we're going to retire and like do nothing. Like for me, honestly, I don't, I don't do what I do to go retire on smiling when it's all said and done. I would probably kill myself in like a week because I'd be bored. Like for me, you know, purpose is everything. And there was a point where I was lost. I didn't have a purpose. And like that shit sucked. How did you get yourself out of that? That was an interesting time. Um, Because I was working my first job out of college. So I was in logistics. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm very thankful for to be in that position. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't value what I do now so much. There's always a thought in the back of my mind that I wanted to do my own thing. And that I was going to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. And part of the disconnect was that my mind ultimately knew where I should be going, but my body was doing it. And I have nobody to blame but myself. So I started trying to, you know, do a bunch of creative things. Like I wouldn't be a photographer right now if it wasn't for my interest in fashion. So is this the birth of Forever Grateful? The birth of Forever Grateful actually came through some personal stuff that I dealt with. Through that, um, I got involved in an organization at Michigan State called the Aspiring Entrepreneur entrepreneur union and i um created an event called kicks for scholarships and like back in the day there was a thing called a sneaker swap right where you had you know people come in trade buy sell uh sneakers vintage clothing anything related to that world and i organized one of those at michigan state and that was like the first kind of cool little thing that i did Um, And then through that, you know, we got together with some other, you know, entrepreneurs, hustlers um, at Michigan State. We hosted, you know, some other events there that were pretty fun uh, with some other brands. I got involved in another little brand right before I moved out here that ended up fizzling out, which kind of disappointed me because it had a lot of potential. Uh, But it taught me a lot of things and it taught me that like, hey, I'm a hustler. This is what I do. I love to hustle. Like this, this grind is fun related so like that little thought of like me wanting to do this fashion line clothing line eventually um forced me into like i'm like i gotta get to this place right so how am i gonna get there and then i was at a point where i didn't feel no amount of money could really like make me happier and then i figured i'm like i need to do things that make me happy so i started i started taking some fashion or sewing classes at little street art center uh which was cool uh, and then I tried, you know, we made some cool stuff up there. Then, you know, I started trying to replicate the uh, the hats that Don C was making with like the snakeskin brims and try to sell those hats. I tried to DJ. I tried to make beats. <laughs> that was all really funny. You know, I met some friends who were working with some other friends that I knew. and We all kind of have like similar passions and clothing and whatnot. And we would see each other all the time. So we're like, hey. Uh, you know, we're a lot cooler than most of the friends that we hang out with in terms of like the our interests, like that to rag on anybody. But you know, they're Alex and Justice and uh, we created Project Liaison. You know, we really like the creative community. We really like clothing. So we wanted, we also just wanted something to call our own. Um, so we started hosting essentially quote unquote networking events for creatives right because creatives really need to network a ton they might need to network more than everybody because most creatives i know are freelancers right it's really important to know a lot of people and know the right people so you can continue to get these jobs continue to make income and continue to survive 
The first event that we did, and we got five photographers together, um, we, and we got five quote unquote models. And, you know, we had some musicians, um, we had a painter, uh, we had an actor, model. Um, and, you know, the people that we worked with are really doing awesome things right now. And it's kind of crazy to even think that we got all these people in before they like really started blowing up. And we paired everybody together so they didn't know each other. So like, then the whole point of that was like, make a new connection, get out of your comfort zone, now go create. So the photographers captured their models doing what they do, right? And, you know, some great work came out of that. Like there's still, there's this one picture that I'll never forget is um, my buddy took a shot of this painter and it was just his hand with paint dripping down. And it was, it, like, the background was all black. It was, all, it was with a flash. And it was just like, this is hard. Like, this is cool. I'll get, I'll get the picture and send it to you. And it's, it's like, it's still one of my favorite images that I've ever seen. And we got all these people together. Like, we had probably a week and a half to, like, actually get everyone in the room, get y'all to go shoot these photos. Like, you know, stress was at an all-time high. And we, like, so it was called Dear Chicago. And... I swear we had like 300 people at Virgin Hotel uh, come out and like support all their friends. And it was so awesome to see that. Um, and it was so awesome because like we created that. There's a couple times where we're like, should we not do this? This is like really on the deadline. And I'm like, no, we're going to do this. Let's get it done. Like we already came this far. Let's fucking do it. Because uh, the thought of not doing it would have been worse than being like, oh, let's have a subpar event. Like if you're going to start something, finish it. Right. And we came together and we, it was a blast. That was like one of the first times in my life I felt like I really created something awesome and everybody loved it. And it was, just, it was amazing. And we did a couple other events like that. The whole point was just like, you know, increase your network. Yeah, we gave, we gave our, our friends something cool and different to experience. But like, there is, we had our ulterior motive of like, we're trying to connect with people, right? And my one partner, Justice, went on to start his own app called link which is kind of a sneaker local sneaker re, uh, meetup app uh alex manages one of the best djs in chicago will galvin and you know they're they've been doing awesome things as well will throws his own party with alex called bizarre love it's just like it's it's so cool to see all that and that that didn't come from one person that came from multiple people working together for a greater cause right which is so important like because you can only go so far on your own but like when you have multiple people who understand the vision, who are willing to work towards it, like some great things can happen. Us throwing these events, we inspired some of our other friends who were in corporate America to like want to do their own thing. Okay, so the camera. I had this one roommate and like, man, I got to shout out Brock because if it wasn't for Brock, I would not be talking to you right now. Like, I think we so all have- this is, is this where you then become a photographer? It sounds like because you were doing some of the same old, same old all day, well, every day, that you then were interested in bringing people together and creating an experience. So you ran ahead and you created an experience. And from there, this is where, dun, 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 this is where the camera gets introduced. So, and before I touch on the camera thing, there's one thing that I really want to touch on that's important to me in my mind in this whole process. Mm -hmm. And this is for anybody trying to do anything. Trying to do your own thing is hard. It's hard as shit. 
there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of time where you don't make progress. There's a lot of, you know, you really start to like learn who you are and what you really value and enjoy. And I touched on, you know, trying to do all these little creative things to give me some self, self sense of purpose that didn't fizzle out. And, uh, you know, I'm not like a big, I'm not like a big, like, oh man, like this is the, like, I, I, this is, I believe you are the energy and you attract the energy that you put out, right? So me putting this energy into the universe of like, I'm going to try these things, I'm going to try to find something that sticks, brought me to the camera. Because if I didn't try those things, maybe my roommate wouldn't have been like, hey, like this, like, the shit you're doing is cool. Let's get some cameras and take pictures, right? Um, which ended up happening. Like he's like, let's get cameras. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna get a camera. I'm gonna use it for two weeks. And I'm gonna put it away. That's exactly so why the camera was it to do photography, or was it because you had just set up this event where all of these people came together to create? Then you thought, well, why not me? Is that is that what happened? What happened was so we all have this friend, right? That like needs to always be doing something. And like needs to be outside, like just has way too much energy. I like, can't sit cooped up in a house. Like we have, everyone has that friend. I, I don't remember the details around it specifically, but he was like, you know, let's get cameras and let's go like shoot, take some pictures. Like, you know, he's a very, he's an artistic guy as well. Um, his name is Brock Stenberg. And uh, I, I, that, that was simply it. He's like, let's just have something to do. Cause he worked at my company with, you know, it was very draining. We kind of just wanted to have a release. It was mainly my idea. I kind of got suckered into it. It was more of his idea. But he was just somebody that wanted to be outside and wanted to capture, you know, things that we saw daily. And we did that. We got the cameras. I got a Nikon D3200 and put that, you know, shot for two weeks real aggressively and put that, put it away. After we started doing more and more of the Project Liaison events, my other roommate, Marcus, said that he, he approached me and wanted to do a platform um, for just really amazing photography only. So kind of like an Instagram, kind of like a VSCO, but only good photography. It was actually called The Daily Photo. He asked me to hop on board, and uh, I told him if I'm gonna hop on this project based around photography, I'm gonna actually understand how photography works, how a camera works, you know, exposures, everything that goes into taking a solid photo. And so then I just started shooting. And I, I picked up the camera. After, I didn't use it for literally six months after I got it. I picked it up. I had some other friends that were, uh, were heavy into photography and sneakers as well. So we'd go out and shoot Chicago, right? Like we'd shoot trains. We'd shoot cityscape. We'd shoot street stuff. And we would shoot, literally, that's it. We'd shoot all day after work. I don't know what it is, but time stood still every time I was shooting. There is not a price on this planet that I could put on that feeling. It was really one of the first things that I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. And where it came natural, it really gave me like a sense of something I could call my own. Like even though we were doing Project Liaison, but like every time somebody saw one of my photos, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is so good. You're awesome. Like that really gave me like, this is my own shit. Um, and then eventually I'm like, Hey, I want to get paid for this. If I'm doing this all the time anyways. Right. Um, so we started kind of segueing into that and that is how I got my orange theory gig. Oh, so that's how you got the orange theory gig. Uh, That was the first, the orange theory was my first paid client. 
And it was funny because I had a, uh, I have a friend, Tay, who used to work at Nike Chicago. So he couldn't do the Orange Theory shoot because of a uh, conflict of interest. So he you know, pitched it to me and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'd love to. This is great. Like, I would get paid for photography. Oh my gosh. I thought that you did primarily marketing for Orange Theory, but you're saying you did visuals as well as marketing. Yeah, so the first time I ever got involved with my uh, Orange Theory was in the visual aspect. And that was for uh, their uh, South Loop location studio. Oh, yes. And I saw that you did several small videos for them. Yeah, so... With motion as well as stills? Yeah, so that, the first, like, Orange Theory was my first paid gig. That was two years ago. Or uh, the now is like four years, four years ago, I think. But that was like a one and done type of thing. The Orange Theory partnership that I've been working on recently came into fruition last year. And that was when we created this Orange Theory Illinois brand, um, which takes all, you know, the 52 plus gyms in the state of Illinois, puts them together under one page um, so that it's cohesiveness. People don't have to go looking for, there's so many different studios. And what I've seen a lot of in terms of whether it's, you know, a lot of these like franchisee type of businesses, the individual franchises have really bad content. They have content that doesn't send a message. They have content that is low in quality. And in the name of the game, that's no disrespect to anybody, but like in this day and age, if what you put out does not stop you from scrolling within the first two seconds, doesn't matter if you have the cure for cancer, it's not getting read, right? Because it's a visual world and we have so much sensory uh, overload that you have to capture people's attention within one to two seconds. How do you do that with a visual, right? Whether it's a motion visual, whether it's a still, that is the first thing. If that doesn't capture your attention, it doesn't matter how good your ad copy is, it's not getting read, right? You, you will continue to get scrolled. We created a brand, we did, we've done some amazing things in the last year. Uh, try to break a world Guinness, uh, World Guinness record for the world's largest workout, which we got a bunch of people from all over the United States of America to come to Chicago to Wrigley Field to work out for ALS and the Orange Theory brand. And that is powerful. And just see, I got, I got to get some of my friends involved to shoot um, and like, you know, get money with your homies is fun. Like that's a, an awesome mood. But like just seeing that everyone together for one bigger cause was amazing and that was a high i literally had to go shoot that from like 7 a.m till noon and then skirt from as soon as that was done to michigan for a wedding and like it was a beautiful day my high was like incomparable to anything else that i had experienced for a really long time and it was just really powerful to see like what you can do when you actually get people together under a greater cause again um and you know those are the now you know, that Orange Theory Illinois brand is a brand and people come to expect certain things from that. And they also, uh, you know, just seeing like engagement on social media, like how many people tag that, that brand that wasn't there a year ago. You know, that's something substantial that we've created and that can move further into the future and set the tone for other businesses or other, you know, um, I guess like factions in one region, right? So it's, um, as you're talking, I can see the natural evolution of you setting, um, creating something, collaborating with a bunch of friends to create an epic um, shooting experience. 
And then fast forward to working with Orange Theory, you create an epic workout experience for the Illinois brand. And thinking about epic experiences or or thinking about brands, how do we as freelancers begin to think about how we can create either an experience or an epic brand for our own selves? How do we do that? I think with that, you know, you got to kind of own into you know, what do you enjoy, right? Like that comes first and foremost. I just enjoy this way more. This is who I'm, who I feel I'm supposed to be. This is what I feel I was put on this earth to do. So that for, therefore that means like I will work that much harder at this, right? I'll get through all the ups and downs because there's a lot of, there's a lot of downs. You know, there's probably, there's way more downs than the ups, but that one up is worth all the downs. So the first part is finding what you love. And that, you know, it's different for everybody. Like I didn't go looking for the camera that just came to me, but I put out that energy that I wanted to have something that was on my own. I'm willing to try different things, right. To find something, whether like that came back to me. And then if you enjoy it, you'll do it a lot, which means if you do it a lot, then at some point you'll get decent at it for your expectations, right? Not other people's expectations, but your own. Because you should only do things for yourself. And then once you start to do these things more, then you're going to want to get better at it. And then once you get good enough, you're able to establish yourself as a a place of authority. Um, People, you know, start to, you know, the more I posted pictures, the more I built my following that way. And then people kind of came to expect that from me. And then you get to that level where you know enough and you can start to educate other people, right? And I think that comes from... Every brand communicates value to somebody or some market. If you don't know what market or who you're communicating value to, then like you don't really, you could say you have a brand, but that's, you're just an, you're just a single entity at that point. Right. To your point, what kind of questions could we be asking ourselves to start thinking about our brand position? What do I enjoy? Why do I do what I do? What are the problem? Why am I still doing what I do? Right? I think that's a really big one. I think your why is really important because if your why isn't strong, then you will give up at the first sign of failure. You will give up at discomfort. You won't take those in, that in stride. But once you start to build this understanding, you start to build this skill set, you start to get good, then you want to keep improving. Then, you know, who can, who can, you affect positively with what you do. We take pictures, yeah, we shoot video, yeah, we record that stuff, but like, that's not what we do. We capture people in their highest light, right? We create materials for businesses to market, to sell their products, their solutions to make other lives better, right? We tell stories, we freeze history, you know? That is what we do. And when you start to look at things from that, that point of view, like what value am I bringing to other people? Then that's when you can start to like build upon that. And I'm not just a photographer. I create visual assets that help businesses and brands grow their reach, right? Grow their businesses. You know, I tell stories through that with what I do in the marketing world that people always touch on are like, you know, the great copywriters of time, like a Gary Halbert will say, don't start with a product, start with a hungry market and then go from there. And that's, you know, they say that's one of the biggest issues in business is 
people start, you know, comp- corporations, brands, whatever, they start with a product first and then they go try to find a market for it versus finding a market that has a problem that has a specific need that needs to be filled and then tailoring their solution to that, right? I think it can be the same way with content creators. Like, find that market that, A, you would want to work in and figure out their problems and how you're going to tailor your solution to it. So, Dre, can you tell us a little bit about Forever Grateful? Because throughout our conversation, you've mentioned your love of fashion quite a bit. And I just want to tease that out a bit and, and hear more. Long story short, man, I like to look fly as shit. <laughs> um, but no, like clothing's always been cool to me. Like we wear it and like if you're gonna look if you're gonna wear clothes, I mean, why not try to look look good, right? Um I think one of the first things that came from that was and this is so superficial, but chicks would always look at dude's shoes first, right? When they're like, see him walk down the street. So like, look good for women. And then it just transitioned into like a love of fashion, right? Forever Grateful for me is a brand about, you know, expressing gratitude because I think there's a lot of negative motives in fashion. We want to showcase like, you know, we're not going to be the super preppy positive people all the time, but like we're trying to just take a different spin on fashion with some positivity. Like our staple message right now is everything will be okay. You know, the way that I came about it was like, hey, like I'm going through this, like let me put this on a hat so I can at least wear it. And like, it's my little reminder that I'm going to make it through this, right? And then I also wanted to do it like, if I'm going through this and I'm using this as my personal reminder, like who else is going through this that I can maybe make their day better. If they, you know, you see that walking down the street, down the street, you see like everything will be okay. Maybe you're having a bad day and you see that you take two seconds to think about that. It's like, all right, like all's good. Like, let me, let me continue to check on a little bit. And that's what it's about. Like while we do make garments, um, you know, it's, it's bigger than that now. And I think that's, you know, always kind of the way that this brand's going to go because it's not really about clothes. It's not about that at all. It's about the messaging. It's about having a positive impact on, you know, people, society, and our planet while we're here. And I'd rather be on the good side of things than the negative. It takes literally no effort to be on the positive side of things versus the negative side of things. Oh, that's true. That was beautiful. Um, so from here, let's move on to some quick fire questions. What is one thing you've changed your mind about in the last year? Doing things with a clear-cut purpose. You're saying in the past you haven't, but now your actions, or at least you approach the things that you do with a purpose. I have this skill with the camera, like put it to good use. Don't put it on the internet just to get a bunch of likes. Put it out there that's going to give somebody some value, right? There's always something that would be taken from somebody or something. Substantial purpose to me is an action that I take that's going to inspire you to take just as good, if not a better action. That's gorgeous. I like that. What's your favorite meal? Ooh, damn. If I had to eat one meal for the rest of my life, it would be Korean barbecue. (laughs) Great. And what are you reading now? Uh, right now, I'm reading Hey Whipple, Squeeze This, The Classic Guide to Creating Great Ads. Ooh. Who is it by? Luke Sullivan and Edward, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Boucher. B-O-C-H-E-S. Boucher, yeah. I'm not going to pronounce that. 
Well, that's it for now. Thank you so much, Dre. I really enjoyed our conversations with you. And I can't wait to see what you have planned. And we have a photo shoot coming up once we 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 leave. We can leave our homes. <laughs> Let's get back to work. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor being on your show. Just being able to interact with you in these last couple of weeks. I'm really excited for the work that we do in the future. The positive impact that we can bring to people. Yes, I'm excited as well. All right, everyone. We'll see you later. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.